Welcome to No Apology with Emily Danielson, but my name is Chris Danielson and she wants me on the show. So it's now called No Apology with Emily and Chris. Emily, what's happening today? Oh, we've got a wonderful show planned for you. And joining us is our good friend, co-laborer. I don't even know what all to use to describe him, but he is the National Field Director of Christian Coalition, Keith Den Hollander. Did I say that? Did I announce that right? Keith Den Hollander, I think I flubbed it up the first time, uh, joins us now on the show. Keith, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Emily. I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you. We, we are thrilled to have you, but uh, I got to be honest, Keith, uh, your background there, you look like you're trying to like do a like a mirror of making of murderer or something. I mean, it's what? just like, is that, are you trying to do your Trump, uh, <laughs> you bug know, mugshot? I mean, your back, your background <laughs> looks like we got you like <laughs> just before the booking, Keith Den Hollander yeah. went on the Emily show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe we can get Mike to, you know, take, take a slice from this and, and create a Keith Den Hollander mugshot. Tell It'll us about, viral. before we get going, we got to talk about the background. What's going on, bro? Well, they let me out of my cell a few minutes ago and changed me out of a striped skirt <laughs> so that nobody would actually know where we're recording from today. But. That's right. Oh, it's well, secret. And, and the joke is kind of on me, and I shouldn't even say it, because one of the things that you are deeply involved in is prison reform with yeah. Christian Coalition. And I know I want to talk about that, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that we want to talk about. We know We've known each other for a long time. And we've done a lot of stuff together. We've traveled together. We've, we've done work at the, at the highest end. You're in D.C. a lot. And so you got your feet on the ground. Tell us, what is it like in the world of Washington, D.C., to not only be a Christian, but to be the field director of Christian Coalition? Before we get into some of the issues, tell us what that journey's been like. And are you seeing the darkness come? You know, Chris, I started out at the state level. And working in the political sphere at the state level, you could kind of gradually see the undertones and it became evident over time. DC was an entirely different world. Mm. Um, that darkness that you're speaking of is evident from the moment you arrive. Yeah, wow. it just seems like it's everywhere when you're there. And, and I don't know why, but it just seems like the work of Christians in DC seems to have gotten harder and harder and harder since Obama took office in 2008. Is, is that fair to say? I think so. Um, but at the same time, I want to be careful not to say that it's all darkness there because there is a lot of light there. You just have to look for it. Tell us about that's, some light. Yeah, Give us some encouragement really today. That's really good to know. Yeah. You know, I spend a lot of time sitting down one on one with different congressmen, members of, Senate, of the Senate and um, even different organizations that are, are headquartered in D.C. And there's a lot of good people trying to do a lot of really good work. Uh, they just get drowned out by the noise of the world today where, you know, the darkness has such a platform and the light doesn't have the platform. And that's why exactly. I'm excited about the No Apology Show, because you're oh. bringing that light out there into the world to try and combat some of the darkness. Yeah, Honestly does, and authentically. It does need to be done. But, you know, uh, this Christian coalition that you're a part of, I mean, we're kind of on the same team. We're doing the same work. Tell me, tell us what Christian coalition, what are they about? What is the work that they do? From the very inception, Christian coalition's always been about defending the family. Um, yeah. You look at that darkness, It it's it's creeping into families. You look at the just mm. absolute destruction of the family unit today. 
And Christian Coalition's mission was we need to defend the family. People of faith want their family defended. And there is no lobbying group that's out there specifically to be the association for the family, right? You got your mm -hmm. realtors, you got all your other industries. They all have their associations that look out for them. Who's looking out for the family? Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's what we saw our role as. Right. And that's that's just absolutely important because, you know, those lobbyists that are out there, they're out there lobbying for the sake of money. I mean, it, that's really what it amounts to. It amounts to them being able to make more money. But there is no family organization that's going to make money off a family staying together. But at the same time, that family unit is absolutely integral in maintaining a healthy, good society. Talk to us a little bit about that, because I know that you're you're in there. You see things that maybe the average person doesn't see. Um, what are what are you kind of trying to fight against? What is yeah, what are, what the are those forces that are tearing at the family? Yeah, what are the big ones? I think probably the biggest epidemic we're facing today is fatherlessness. Mm. There are so many families where there is no father present in that family. And when you look at the parts of society where people are getting into trouble, uh -huh. One of the things that seems consistent is you look at the high percentage of, of people ending up in prison, people ending up in jail. Look at the correlation between that and fatherless households. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So how is what's the government's role in um, how are they contributing to that deconstruction of the family unit? You know, that's it's an interesting question. They have incentivized family only through financial mm. gain. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the interest for a lot of people in getting married today is to get a tax benefit. Right. But when we look at the rise of social programs, you look at things like um, food assistance, you look at things like welfare, you look at Section 8 housing, all the, all the ways that the government provides social programming to people. Mm -hmm. It's all incentivized the opposite. So you right. can more easily qualify for every one of those things if you're not a family. Right. As soon as you go to a one income household, as soon as you're even if you're living together, if you're not married, now you both might qualify for some of these government programs. Ah. So they're incentivizing people to remain unmarried to mm -hmm. um, even to have children outside of a marriage relationship, because the more children you have, the, the more benefit you get. Exactly. Um, so we're starting to kind of see how this is all tied together, that those incentivizations, is that a word? Incentivizations. It's um, now. Yeah, I'm making <laughs> it one. We're going with it. It's real now. <laughs> Tears down the family. There's no longer that mother, father, children, and, and so on in a cohesive environment. And uh, you touched on just a moment ago how that fatherlessness, when the father's not in the home, that's what leads to the wayward kids that find themselves in trouble with the law and ultimately in prison. And that prison is not set up to be the cure-all for society's problems. So talk to us about a little bit of uh, prison reform and those things that you guys are involved with. That's a great question. Um, I think I'd like to back it up just a little bit from there, sure. actually, to how we ended cool. up involved in prison reform. Um, you know, when you look at people who are in prison and you look at things they have in common, 
uh, we went back to, to the scriptures to say, what does the Bible say about a lot of this? And there's a verse in John 10, verses 10, and it says, the thief comes only to, and I'm paraphrasing here. I'm sure I'm not going to get it exactly right. The thief comes only to, <laughs> to The Bible idiots in the house. <laughs> yeah, the thief only comes to, go ahead. Kill and steal and destroy, but I come to give you life and life more abundantly. Exactly. And when I look at that, I say, what we're seeing here is a dichotomy. We're seeing that abundant life is placed as the opposite of killing and stealing and destroying all mm -hmm. the things that we are trying to fight against. And so mm -hmm. when I back up before someone ever made it into prison, what were some of the things that contributed to that? A lack of abundant life. Yeah. And as the church, do we have an opportunity to help people achieve an abundant life? And what Absolutely. is an abundant life? And those were the questions we wanted to answer. Awesome. I believe abundant life is wrapped up in a couple words. Because of the spirit of Christ in your body with what's going on and in your heart and in your mind, your mind's been transformed a la Romans 12 too. It is this phrase, and every Christian, when I say the phrase, will completely understand what I'm talking about. Okay. It all boils down to, it is well with you. And when it's well with you at the depths of your soul, you know subconsciously you didn't do it. Right. God made it well with you, and it's in his sovereignty you're trusting as you go forward, which makes it just an exciting, vibrant life. That's life more abundantly. That's mm -hmm. John 10, 10, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Good I mean, point. like, for example, when I go to an amusement park, which I haven't done much lately, but I, we used to go every year with our kids, at least two or three. I mean, roller coasters, big deal in my life. But when it's hot and that long gets extra, that line gets extra long. That is so annoying. <laughs> but the joy of the roller coaster is so great. You have that hope ahead of you, right? Yeah. And so it is the uh, I, while we're standing in line sweating, we are still living the abundant roller coaster life. Laughing. And that is my Christian talking, analogy yeah. for how we can deal with what we're dealing with and rise above our circumstances because life more abundantly in Jesus yeah. Christ is. It is well with you. So what's your question? No, that's my statement on, oh. his, on his thing. <laughs> I, I, was, I mean, I wasn't asking a question. Uh, I was, I I was, I, he playing. was talking about life more abundantly, and I'm like, yeah, here's an analogy. <laughs> uh, here's something that I've been teaching people that seems to really help them in their spiritual journey. And right. now I'm done. Go, okay, Emily, so, go. Uh, Keith, <laughs> thoughts on what Chris said? Are you right on or way off with <laughs> oh, that? Yeah, we already started right on, way off. <laughs> what do you think, Keith? Well, I definitely think uh, comparing life to a roller coaster is pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> there you go. For sure. And, and prison reform is part of what you guys do. And you're, you're talking about finding those common denominators and in, in, in why people are in prison. And you want to give these prisoners on their, on their especially as they prepare for release and release, uh, life more abundantly. And yeah. if you just somehow happen to like drop in on this this digital download, no, Keith is not actually at a prison. That is an <laughs> office in Michigan. And he just has it kind of have the prison vibe today, Ooh, yeah, I guess. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. But talk to us a little bit more, Keith, about just kind of the practicality of that, that it is well with you and kind of breaking those chains and and looking at, okay, we're seeing these common denominators now. How do we address them? Talk us, yeah. talk about that a little bit for what us. What you actually doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it actually started with fighting against what other people were doing. Um, the initial foray was people were saying, let's just decriminalize everything. Let's just let everybody out. Let's put nobody in prison. Right. 
And we said, hang on a second, this isn't realistic. Like that's mm -hmm. like saying, let me just let my kids do whatever they want and not right. punish them for anything they do wrong. How's yeah. that going to work out in the long run? Exactly. They'll just continue uh, down the path and getting worse and worse. Yeah, exactly. So we started looking at it and then we said, you know, why is it so, why is there so much emphasis on getting people out and not enough emphasis on keeping people out in the first place? Mm, why are we go. waiting until they're in and figuring out how to get them out? Let's figure out how to keep them from ending up in there in the first place. I mean, there I think that's go. a bigger plan. That is so awesome. It's just a slight change of per, of perspective. Um, the same heart is behind it, but yet it can be a complete game changer. So what are what are those things that you aim to do or to see take hold that will indeed keep them out? So we looked at the common denominators of people that we're in mm -hmm. and a couple things we found. Kids in foster care. I'll just take my home state of Michigan as an example. 10% okay. of the 13,000 kids that are in foster care are already involved in the juvenile justice system. Wow. So we've got a correlation between kids who are in without families that are mm -hmm. in the system that are finding themselves in trouble. Yeah. When those kids age out, when they reach the age of 18 and no one's adopted them, that number goes up to closer to 40% who become involved in the justice system oh, because they have okay. no home. Right. They have nowhere to go. There's they nowhere to go no for pay. Christmas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So where do they end up? Well, a lot of the guys end up out on the streets selling drugs, using drugs, involved with gangs. The girls, a lot of them end up shacking up with somebody because they need a place to live and they've got no family. So they do what they have to do to survive. Unfortunately, they become victims of human trafficking um, and, and a lot of those types of things. And so we can we can see it right there. Right. That's a lack of an abundant life. I want you to share a little bit of some of the practical stuff that you guys are doing in this area. How, you know, give me an example of an, a life more abundantly lived uh, coming out of prison or somebody who, you know, was in the justice system and kind of got out of it and Christian Coalition made the difference. I'd love to hear that story. I'll try to give you, I'll, I'll do it like a sermon, like one of your sermons, Chris. I'll, do, I'll try to do three quick points. <laughs> but I okay. will actually. If it's like my sermons, points. they won't be quick, and a but prayer, go ahead. And a prayer. <laughs> All right, hit we me. Won't be taking a, we won't be taking a collection. <laughs> no, not today. All right, hit me. So tell, tell us a little few, so, few of the things that you guys are actually doing to accomplish those goals. It's right. pretty cool. Sure. So a couple of practical ways. One, let's start with the adoption issue. There are barriers that make it hard for people who want to adopt, who want to get involved in adopting kids. Sometimes it's harder to adopt domestically even than it is to adopt from overseas. And mm -hmm. so... We look at where do barriers exist that would keep people from wanting to adopt? What are the things that are preventing them? And then we look at policies and say, what are policies we can change to do this? A second one, people that end up in human trafficking. For a long time, women who were human trafficked were often treated as if they were a criminal because mm -hmm. they were selling their bodies. Mm -hmm. In reality, many of them were victims. Mm -hmm. And so we needed to work on changing laws to say, let's recognize that these women are victims and men. Sometimes it's, it's more frequently women, but yep. recognize that these are victims and not criminals and right. protect them and get them out of that life in a way that doesn't criminalize their behavior just because they were being human trafficked. I um, love it. And then on the prison side, what about due process? What about people mm -hmm. who are getting arrested? They have a right to a speedy trial. They have a right to be able to be released if they are not a threat to society. Mm -hmm. What are we doing with bail? 
Are we saying that, for example, someone who is rich is safer for society than someone who is not? Mm -hmm. If I have money and you don't have money and we both get arrested in the same, for the same reason, and I can bail myself out because I'm rich, am I somehow safer for society than you are just because I have money? We want everyone to have equal access to justice, not equal outcomes, but equal right. access to justice. Yeah. And so we are looking at policies like that and saying, you're presumed innocent until you're proven guilty. If you're innocent, why do you have to pay to have your freedom if you are not presumed to be a threat to society or yourself right. or to others? And so we look at policies like that and say, are we giving people the proper opportunities? Are we doing what we can to help them have an abundant life? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that extends to so many. That's Those are three quick examples. But I could cover 10 different policy <laughs> yeah. areas that all impact abundant life. Yeah. That is so awesome. And the the sad reality is that uh, while Christians are out in this field that you're in working in that in that battle line, a lot of Christians don't even realize that that work is going on. So as people are listening to your stories, they're hearing how you're working and they're going, this makes sense. And we need these Christians in D.C. talking to our legislators how can people get involved or be a part or even just follow along with what Christian Coalition is doing right now? They can go to our website and sign up to be on our email list to receive our communications. Mm -hmm. They can get involved at their local state level. Okay. We would love to have people reach out. Our phone number is on our website at cc.org. So your website is cc.org. Yep. It is. Yep. That's it. So you must have got the website like on day two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good job, yeah, guys. Kudos. CC.org. Al Gore called us. Al Gore called us right after he invented the internet. So That's right. Was, That's right. He said, because you guys are so like-minded with me. <laughs> yeah, that's what he All said. Right. Hey, bud, I'm so glad you came on the show. We're going to have you on more and more as we uh, get the uh, show off the ground. Any final thoughts you want to leave with the audience today uh, from the position of the National Field Director for the Christian Coalition Nationwide? Um, that was a Pat Robertson thing back in the day. It became a political arm, and then it just became where we're trying to save the Christian faith in D.C., that's kind of how I paraphrase it. But any final thoughts you want to leave with people who are just getting to know this new paradigm of Christian coalition? Many people yeah. have heard it, but they, the media, when Pat Robertson was at his last days, was really trying to trash it. Well, you, know, you, you know all that. Tell us about that journey and, and throw in your final, thought, final <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> you know, I think, I think that um, the Christian coalition's come a long way. Under our current president, Roberta Cohn, she's really, she's really expanded the vision from what it started as. And um, she's taken it in a direction that has expanded our mission to something that can impact each and every Christian out there. Um, starting local is my would be my my recommendation to people is, you know, D.C. seems like a, a big leap. It seems like a right. place far away. Start local. Start with okay. your local township meeting. Start with your local community, your city, your state. You can get involved. There are chapters in every single state. And if there's not a chapter in your community, Start one. Uh, give yeah. us a call. We'll help you. We'll provide you a handbook and, and get you started to start a chapter. In your awesome. I believe I believe there's a calling on folks that uh, they, they need to take their Christian life. They're sold out for Jesus life and they need to get involved in politics. Yeah, there are some of us who it's best if we don't if we you know, but everybody should vote their conscience. I get all that. The point is, is that there is a push out there 
to tell Christians that if you want to get involved in politics, you got to set your faith at the door. And Emily has been for years promoting, no, 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 get involved, get involved, right, get involved. Right. What do you say to people who say there should be a separation of church and state and Christians shouldn't get involved? What's your response? I would say there absolutely should be a separation of church and state, <laughs> and state from the perspective that the state should not be meddling in the church. Exactly. It's a one-way deal here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so how, should a, how should Christians view the... Uh, path of opportunity in from in front of them to get involved in the political process and still maintain their Christian faith. What's your what What do you tell folks? I tell folks that your faith should not be able to be separated from your life. I heard a sermon on Sunday by a pastor named Paul Washer in which he said that Jesus Christ is not part of anyone's life. He is your life. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, if he is your life, he's not a part of our life. He is our life. And so if that's true, it's going to permeate every single aspect, every single element yep. of our life. Yeah. And that includes our involvement in the political sphere. And if we're, my warning to people is if you are not at the table, you're on the menu. And that's what we've seen over and over and over again. I love that. If you are not at the table, you are on the menu. And we have seen this all the way from... From Constantine to today, uh, how when the church gets involved, things change in a really dramatic way. And the suffering that people go through is alleviated because God is so good. We look at the civil rights movement. We look at all those things. And that type of work continues on today through organizations like Christian Coalition. So thank you, Keith, for being with us so much. I really appreciate you sharing what you do with us. Thanks for having me on. It was great to be with you. Yeah, awesome. Hey, you're listening and viewing, possibly, hopefully just listening, (laughs) (laughs) to No Apology with Emily and Chris, our special guest, Keith Denhollander. He is the National Field Director of the Christian Coalition. Website is cc.org. This is not your grandpa's Christian Coalition. They are involved in some great work. Check them out. We will be back right around the corner, and uh, we got Mike Shaw coming in, and it's time for Right On, Way Off. Hey, if you enjoy listening to No Apology with Emily and Chris, if you get any encouragement from it, please consider standing with us financially. Go to FreshRoadMedia.com and consider giving a wonderful gift today. It is appreciated. Welcome back to No Apology with Emily and Chris. Thanks for spending time with us today. You have a lot of choices. You have a lot of places you could be, but you're with us and we are really glad. Uh, we're going to be playing some Right On Way Off. Are you ready for that, I Chris? am ready for Right yes. On Way Off. But we cannot do that without our co- El Confidant Commandant. There it is. <laughs> Bouncing Shaw. all over the world. Mike Shaw. Oh, we can do Right On Way Off without yeah. Mike Shaw. It just yeah. won't be as fun. You, you could do true. it. Yeah. That's yeah. true. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So where are we headed today, Emily? All right. Right On Way Off. The first question or the first statement that I have for you. Love thy neighbor. You know it's in the Bible, right? Love thy neighbor as yourself. It means that we should love ourselves first right on or way off chris mm, yeah I, I i think within context i'm going to say right on i think that we do have to have a healthy understanding of ourselves and that starts with forgiving ourselves the problem with being right on on this <laughs> is that somebody might take my right onness to then justify themselves being their own god 
because that's the epidemic in America. Everybody's their own God, and they want to add Jesus to what they got going on. Jesus says, that ain't how we roll. I sacrificed my whole life for you. I shed my blood for you. I love you. You accept my forgiveness, and then now we work on my terms, which are better than your terms. Yeah. That's All right, so, so. But yeah, you gotta if you if you hate yourself, how are you any good to Christ? You know, if Christ loves you so much, can't you love yourself a little bit? Problem is, by being right on on that, which I am, then, pe- <laughs> then, then people will take it to the extreme. Yeah, I know they pervert that, it. Oh yeah, so I do need to look out for number yeah, one. Yeah, no, yeah. you love thy neighbor as thyself. All right, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm right on as well for all those reasons. And um, <laughs> let me just put it this way, though. It's like you can't give to someone else what you don't have or what you haven't received. And, and so, you know, our relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, you know, our relationship with others is an overflow of that, yep. as in blessed to be a blessing. So, yes, you have to forgive yourself. Yes, you have that right relationship with God. You have to know that you're not God. Because if you believe that you're God, you're going to start zapping your neighbors instead of <laughs> instead of helping your neighbors. That's right. So That's true. It comes with the right relationship with God and yourself and with others. Yeah. Okay. You're both way off. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Tell us what you what you, uh, you meant, know, trickster. When, I, when I'm looking at this, love thy neighbor as thyself. I, I think it kind of actually means the total opposite of loving yourself. That means like, we're going to look out for our neighbor. We're going to make sure that they are taken care of as well. And I think that that comes with a very. Get it. Reach for it. Find it. (laughs) (laughs) You're right there. Get it. (laughs) I'm not more important than you. Oh, I got it. Okay. And so. um, I get it. That's biblical. And so I think that especially when we read the scriptures, you know, like being crucified to self and self, self, self is really very, it's not. It's not a it's not a good thing okay. <laughs> in the All Bible, right. you know what I mean? And it does, and I think that it's for the reasons though that that you guys very clearly, very plainly laid out, because it leads to putting myself as God. I don't really have I don't have the power to forgive myself. Okay. But if I know that God has forgiven me, if I have surrendered to him, then when Satan comes with that pointy bony little finger and wants to bring up those things that I know I have repented of. I know. Yeah, that. Um, I See, know Satan is wicked witch of the West. Exactly. Yeah. I can reach beyond what I'm feeling. I'm yep. feeling, you know, the devil's just throwing those arrows at me and I'm feeling shameful again over things that I've asked God to forgive me. I can reach higher above my feelings and no, 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 God has forgiven me. And so I'm reaching for that forgiveness, not mm-hmm. the forgiveness that I give myself. But I think that, you know, the the rationale that you guys laid out were was was good. It wasn't bad. But let me just share a, a quick little paragraph. Uh, ben Shapiro, he summed it up, I think, really well when he says, the Bible says, love thy neighbor as thyself. The maxim is predicated. Uh, predicated on being selfless and doing good in the world. The notion of self-love is the opposite of loving your neighbor. It demands no growth in character, no discernment of one's actions. Instead, it encourages narcissism. Yeah. 
So I think there's a level of that as well. Yeah, and, and Ben Shapiro, I keep hitting the wrong button on that no apology thing. Anyway, sorry, viewers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ran an audio board for 40 years, not this mumbo are jumbo that Mike Shaw set up. Are you saying the audio people are your peeps? They're my peeps. <laughs> uh, we, we still love you, Chris. I know. Yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> love thy neighbor, love thy neighbor as thyself. I want to give you another, a different perspective to think about. Uh, See. You had your minute. Stay with me. Stay with me now. Okay, what? <laughs> I am full of self-loathing. Therefore, That's I can true. loathe my neighbor, and I'm biblical. What? Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know what you said. Let's love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I loathe myself, so I'm going to loathe my neighbor. I'm biblical. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, you're, you're just... You're... I see you what are you're Satan saying. with headphones <laughs> on right now. <laughs> find your words, Emily. Okay. Find All your right. words. All right, it's getting too lawyeristic up in here. No, it doesn't say view your neighbor as yourself. It says love your neighbor as yourself, not loathe well, your neighbor. Well, I know. Not, no, th- that's what I'm saying. But I mean, again, yourself. the English language, based on the original content of God-inspired, God-breathed language yeah. through Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic brought to the English language can have different meanings. So you go back and you look at what did God actually mean by what he said, not, did it, not, right. not what did he actually say. But right. I think, and I'm taking it out of context right, on purpose. Thank you. I honestly thought <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I got, I got to be honest. A second ago, when I finished that bit, there was just this little silence. Yeah, my I thought that would be filled with laughter. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Okay. Nobody got it. I, I when I I'm, I got to yes. go back and air check that to see how horrible did I explain you got, that. You that keep, had to be bad because I mean I'm literally I give the punchline don't and I'm all up. smug over here like waiting for the laughter and there's just. Crickets. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't, like I said, I don't uh, even and then, know. And then, what you and just then somebody exasperating, one of you two went, Oh, I get what you're saying. Like, <laughs> that was me. Okay. So, All right. lame bit attempt of the day goes to moi. All right, next yes, question. And yeah, okay. And the next question, Robin Hood. We all know the story, right? It's a sure. great story. Yeah. Robin Hood is a story about robbing from the rich and giving to the poor to make everything equal. Right on or way off, Mike Shaw. Oh, yeah, I'm so way off on that. <laughs> it sounds like the UN. <laughs> Isn't that the UN? We have a climate crisis, so yes. we need to we need to sign on to the Paris Accords. <laughs> which is going to cost the United States trillions yeah. and China nothing. If only mm-hmm. that's a great idea. If mm-hmm. only Mr. Hood had the Paris Accord. Right, that's right. In his pocket, <laughs> yeah. he'd have been good to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, it's completely way off. It's uh, redistributed redistribution of wealth. Yeah. Now I think in you know sure in the in the whatever forest it was. Um, yeah, Sherwood Forest. It was the Sherwood yes. Forest. Yes. Then, you know, things were, it, it was an unjust government yes. who was overtaxing the poor and, and mistreating the poor. And so, yeah. you know, Robin Hood is the protagonist who saves the day. I'm kind of right on with that. But um, but even still, you yeah. know, th- in today's world, we with the problems we're having and yeah. uh, with redistribution and the things that they're pushing... I'm going to have to stay way off. Yeah, way off. All right, Chris, hmm. right on way off. The story of Robin Hood is a story about robbing from the rich and giving to the poor to make everything equal. Uh, I, I Can I be, I don't <laughs> you care? <can't>. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to pick. You're starting to go down care. this path of everything is, you know, well, maybe. The, social, the problem no. with being right on on that, because, yeah. I mean, is that not the story of Robin Hood? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't, you. I don't hang out in Nottingham. <laughs> I, you know, I haven't been, I haven't been, not, haven't been down at the Nottingham now. Cafe for years now. <laughs> right. um, I think that's the story, and I think it's done with a virtue. Where, and I think in the original uh, fable, 
the there was a lot of evil from the mm-hmm. people that had the stuff. They had gotten it, uh, you know, taken it from the people. So the idea to take that from them and distribute amongst the people, Robin Hood became a hero in that fable. Right, right. Um, that fable to use it to sell socialism is a, I'm way off on that whole, right, on that whole scene. And so, you know, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. I mean, okay. I believe <laughs> in the meat sacrifice to idols uh, theory in the scriptures. For example... I believe it's possible that two guys in a very similar looking neighborhood tonight are going to break into a store and steal a loaf of bread. And I believe that one can do it righteously and another is doing it sinfully. Mm. Depends on their circumstances, depends on their worldview, depends on what's going on. And can that be? Look at Bonhoeffer. He was part of a part of a group that wanted to kill Hitler. Why? Because he was trying to save millions and millions of people. So when you hear Bonhoeffer wanted to kill Hitler, immediately you say he sinned until you look into all the prayer going around it where they were trying to save millions of people. He was saving lives is what he was doing. Exactly. But again, my point is perspective. My point is perspective and knowing the whole story. Right. Yeah, knowing the whole story. And if you don't know the meat sacrifice to idols thing, real quick apologetic sidebar, then back to you, Emily. If you grew up eating meat sacrificed to idols, because in that culture, that sometimes the poor people, that's all they could get. Yeah. Because they would sacrifice the to the idols in the pagan temple, then out the back door, the people would come and buy it. Yeah. And they'd buy it for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Because the other people would not eat it because it was sacrilegious to do so. The Apostle Paul says, if you grew up eating that meat all your life, it is not a sin for you to eat it. Right, right. Okay? If you grew up all your life abstaining from it because it was it was evil in your eyes and now you're just going to eat it, now you're sinning. Right. That guy A is not sinning eating. Guy B is sinning eating. Mm-hmm. Follow? A lot of it's the intention of our heart. Yep. Even some of our good works are like filthy rags. Well, actually, all of our good works are yeah. filthy rags. <laughs> all right, preacher, <laughs> stand true. down. Stand down, preacher, stand down. Emily, Okay, go. it is way off. It is way off. You guys are absolutely correct. And Mike, you you were also correct. This was The story was actually based on a true story. This is a real event that was taking place. And it was based on corruption. It took place in the yeah. Middle Ages. Yeah. And people, particularly of the government, were taking advantage of the poor. And they were taking things that they did not have the right to take. They were stealing from them. So the story of Robin Hood is not Robin Hood just taking from the rich and giving to the poor so that there were no more rich and there were no more poor. No, it's justice, really. He was taking from the rich that which belonged to the poor rightly and giving it back to them. And that yeah, is why it became story. such a hero yeah. and so on. Like and I so, said, there's always more to the story and knowing the full story. Yes. That's why we want to lean first towards grace and forgiveness, second towards judging correctly. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I thought you were going to say when stealing a loaf of bread matters which state you're in. (laughs) (laughs) California, it's fine. (laughs) But stealing, taking something that doesn't belong to you, that's wrong. That is wrong. And so that's not what the story is about. No, and I can give you a scenario where it would be totally fine, but that's Mm -hmm. different. Okay. Anyway, uh, I mean, it just, I think, you know, I it's a make believe story, but I mean, if, <laughs> anyway, we're, we're, we're going to get sidetracked and I can see you're exasperated. <laughs> Go for it. Bye. <laughs> Stealing's never wrong. I'm going to give you an example, dude, because we were a part of it. And that was when we were in Alaska, there were people that would go out and do an illegal shoot. 
and they'd take a moose or whatever. Um. And it was illegal because they were not doing it properly. They were not licensed. It was out of season, whatever. And so uh, anytime that the park rangers came on this, they would confiscate the meat. But what did they do with the meat? Just throw it away? No. They would reach out to ministries. They would reach out to the poor people in the villages and they would say, hey, we've got some, we've got an illegal shoot here. Do you want it? And they would come and they would take that meat and they would, they would give it, they would, they would put it to good use. Yeah. There was many days, two or three of us had plans for the day and they got changed with a knock on the door because now we're cutting and and grinding meat the rest of the day. We literally set up the butcher (laughs) shop in our kitchen. Yeah. That's great. Because the meat's there. What are you going to do? Exactly. So uh, the last question. Question that I have for you a little bit more on the lighter side. We'll end the show with a high note. Bongos for a wedding solo. Could it work? Right on, way off. It could work. It could work. Bongos for a wedding solo. Chris, what do you think? I'm going to say, I'm going to say <laughs> right on. It's like meat sacrificed to <laughs> idols. <laughs> Let's go back to the ancient boundary markers of our forefathers. <laughs> And look at the ancient culture. In Proverbs 14, 4, it says, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. What does that mean to us today? Yes. In this right on, way off question. Uh, I'm going to go right on. Okay. And and I'm going to say that normally I'd be way, normally, and common sense says way off, but Mm -hmm. I think it could be right on. And that was your question. Could it be? And let me give you a scenario where it could be. Just uh, the bride's brother is a professional bongo player, Mm -hmm. and he wrote a special solo just for his little sister. Doesn't matter what the dude does. Mm -hmm. The crowd's going to love it. Yeah. Okay. That's a great scenario. I love that Mm -hmm. scenario. Mike, what do you think? That is my report. (laughs) I stand down. (laughs) And the sister's got a tear in her eyes. It's like, oh, wow. Thank you, you, Brother Bongo. You wrote the bongo just for me. I love you. What do you think? Does it work? Or is the rest of the wedding oh party and the co- are they into it too, Mike? What hey. do you think? Well, if right on or way off? If you're skilled at the bongos, it's probably going to be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that could be like the dance for the for the new bride and groom. It yeah. could be, uh, or the dance with the dad. How whatever the. Yeah, I don't think the bride, you know. the daddy daughter dance is not <laughs> going down with the bongos. Not with the bongos. I've but, seen a lot of them. Never yeah, seen yeah. bongos in. But I mean, so you know, I'm thinking of Miami Sound Machine with Gloria Estefan. Oh, yeah. You know, some good bongo stuff. Totally. I mean, totally danceable. I don't know what key you play that. I think she's talking about in the wedding ceremony. Well, no, just the wedding song solo. It doesn't matter what it you is. Know, yeah, but later. you're not talking about like at a wedding dance or reception. Yeah. Your question was in the wedding ceremony. Yeah, sure. So could yeah. bongos yeah. be used? That's what you asked. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah I, yeah, I gave you a scenario where it's plausible. The more I think but about I it, think the more generally right on. on. I am. Where, the more right on I am. Right on. I'm right on. The more right, right on, on, as on as well. I am because. If, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. It's your wedding. Do what you want. <laughs> There Do what you, you want. Go. It's your wedding. I don't there care. Go. I got. Even I got. I got bad. one. I got Even one. Even if it's a bad solo, if you want it, you can have it. Go ahead, Mike. What? Everything you yeah. just said. Yeah. I'm going to throttle it with one little word. Uh oh. Okay. Uh oh. Um. Actually, it's a, it's a title for a for a human being. Huh? You, what did you just say? Did your wedding? Do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> Mother-in-law. Oh well. Done. It trumps everything. Done. Gotta run it by her first. <laughs> no, no, Mike's right. It's your wedding. Yeah, you I get you. Yeah. I get you. All right, what do we got left? Uh, no, that is totally right on. And when you think about it, I mean, throughout history, a lot of major uh, milestones in life have been celebrated with drums. I mean, Chris, you and I were even in Israel where there was a bar mitzvah going on, mm. and they're marching through the streets, and it's with the drums. Not necessarily bongos, but um, I'm sure that there are places in the world where that is 
done yeah. on yeah, a regular and, basis. You know, and immediately I was going to be way off because all I could think of is the Big Bang Theory when Sheldon Cooper started playing bongos at three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that, kids. No. I mean, I, I don't know why that's popped yeah. into my head, but then I thought, you know what? If the, you know, anything, look at me. I'm the guy who will, will want people to try to do anything. Any kind of participation, better to try and fail than to not try at all. Yeah. That's that's been our that's been our mantra to our kids all all their whole life. Emily and I have lived that out, and you know that's what we want to do. Yeah, our light just went off. Yeah, yeah we're on the USB right now. So uh, does that mean that the show's over? No, that means they, <laughs> that means that they cut the uh, our, the building we're in is going through a remodel. Hey, there there they come back on. Hey. Yeah, our, ba- our battery backup <laughs> kept See? us going. See, th- that's what I'm telling you. You guys had a US, yeah, what's it called? USB. Yeah, USB. Or no, 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 uh, no. UPS. A UPS, thank you. Mm-hmm. So the UPS, it's battery powered. So when there's a power failure, if it still runs the computer and everything, for you a guys, minute or two. Look you guys already had that when I came here. Wow. Yeah, we had it from our Real Remnant Radio studio. It's brilliant. We, we, I, yeah. I, dude, I got a, Save I got their a, show. Save I got the a $2,500 computer sitting in the corner. That my son used for like high powered video games for a while. That's yeah. what our, our radio station was in uh-huh. that computer. I mean, yeah. how much do you want for it? Um, <laughs> I'll trade you a tablet. <laughs> I got All an right. iPad. Uh, I'd All rather right. go with like a first generation iPod if you can score one. We're going to have this swap meet at a different time because I want to say, oh, yeah. I do, I think this is important. Yeah. I think the bongos has gotten a bad rap in the whole drum world. Yeah. I think mm. they have. They're kind of like, yeah. they're, they're, when you think of like the annoying thing, bongos gets the label. Someone you know what I mean? With Culturally. Bongos? Yeah. Yeah. Same with the bagpipes. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. if you've ever heard really nice bagpipes. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard anyway. somebody that thinks they're good at bagpipes that they're really bad? <laughs> I'm telling you, you take that memory yes. with you, and immediately uh, you hear bagpipes, and all of a sudden you're, you're just in tune. It's like, <gasps> do we, are we live? <laughs> have we got somebody? Or is this going to be bad? And then it's like, oh. Uh, yeah, bagpipes yeah. are hard to play. Yeah. It takes a talent, man. Yeah. But a good bagpipe player, worth your weight in gold. Hey, we were, we were at a memorial service uh, this week, and, uh, yeah. or last week, and yeah. the bugle player for the uh, three-gun salute um, uh, basically had a um, um, speaker inside the bugle. And so he hit it and then held it up to his lips, and it played taps spot on mm-hmm. beautifully. I told Emily, I said, I would much rather have that than have a guy mess it up. You right, know? Because right. the the... The bugle in that moment, it's the sound it's making. It's not that actually somebody's right. playing the bugle. Right, you right, get what I'm right. And so yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, it was lovely. It Where was are we awesome. at? I don't even know what we're well, doing. Well, I think that wraps up the show. Oh, I think, okay. you know, <laughs> the, the lights went out. The lights yeah. went out. <laughs> that means two-minute warning, and, the, right. you know, yes. and life <laughs> yeah. goes on again. Yeah, like that, when you do stand-up comedy at a club, <laughs> some people don't know this, but when, you're, when, you, when you get 60 seconds to go in your set, they shine a light from the back, uh, and they just move it back and forth kind of like this. You. And you see it, and you have to give some sort of acknowledgement. Usually you just do a little like that. Like with your eyes, like, hey, I got you. Okay. Your time's and, up. And, and at 70, yeah. 80, 90 seconds, if you're still Here talking, comes the hook. they will bring the hook. And I, I have watched people get their mics cut. Wow. You know, yeah. it happens. Wow. And that's a poor way to end a set. Can so. we do that to Chris? Can we cut his mic? <laughs> He's can got all the control. I can I cut know, Mike Shaw's right. mic. Mike. Mike. I cut my own mic. Now I cut Emily off. Now that's what I wanted to do. All right, I've got the show. What do you guys want to do? Who wants to talk? Go ahead, Emily. Tell us what you think. Uh, anybody got anything else to say? No? How come you guys... What, everybody went silent. 
What happened? Help. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the Wizard of Oz. I know. Awesome. I know. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Yes. Uh, Emily, your final thoughts. It's your show. Hit me. Uh, you know what? Hey, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And don't forget, let Christ impact every single aspect of your life, your music, your wedding, your politics, your friendships, everything. Uh, let it all be an outpouring of your high call to serving Christ. So that's going to do it on behalf of my best friend and bride, Emily. My name is Chris. Mike Shaw has his new show on freshroadmedia.com as well called Jesus is Coming Soon with Mike Shaw. You get into the Word of God today and you go and serve your King. We are so grateful that you are with us here on No Apology with Emily and Chris.